0: to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to talk a little bit about our Father and how he has been dealing with all of us and um, what is what is ahead in, in many ways. Um, let's, let's go ahead and read uh, Hebrews 12. We could read this whole chapter, but we're just going to pick up at verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh with corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Um, I I readily admit that, um, and I've said this in the past, that even though I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home, my parents made certain that we were in church as often as the doors were open, and even when the doors weren't open, we were there cleaning it. Um, I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful that, um, you know, we were fed and we were clothed, and um, we didn't lack the necessities of life. I'm very grateful for that. But I readily admit that... um, i didn't really have much of a relationship with my father uh, he He didn't really know how to be a father. you know he He was raised in hard times in West Virginia um, and um, he he really didn't he didn't know what to do. I was more afraid of him than anything else. He was big, six foot three, muscle. He worked every day hard in the mills and um, you know I just kind of was around uh, if, if uh, my mom would say Edward why don't you take Ronnie and show him how to do that and he said it would take twice as long for me to get it done I heard that a hundred times if I heard it once and so you know uh, I'm not bemoaning anything I'm just saying that knowing how to be a father is something that I really don't really know yet, (laughs) but I've tried. And um, I think that many people, many Christians, when we talk about knowing God as Father, you have your own song to sing. And you talk about perhaps things that were not optimal in your life. And maybe the person you married wasn't a good father. And your opinion of fatherhood is not at the top of your list because you didn't experience in yourself, but the point is that those are all indications of the world, the curse in the world, the enemy moving in the world just like he is today, trying to remove the the, the paterfamilias. <laughs> And, uh, and to remove the idea of the Father because it really is at the heart of what Satan allowed himself to rebel because of when God enunciated to all the angelic that he was going to create you and me and that we would be in his image, that his spirit would be in us. In fact, this passage here in, in Hebrews 12 speaks of him as the father of spirits. Um, The enemy didn't like that, and he chose from, as Jesus said, from the beginning to try to kill it. So the whole aspect of us being children of the Father is something that is a, a motto for destruction in the demonic world. And so we have to press forward and to know the Father... And uh, that whole center section of the book of John where Jesus is preparing his disciples as he's ready to go to the cross, he speaks over and over again about, Father, let them know you the way I knew you at the very beginning. Let them know your glory. You know, up to this point you've spoken and you've asked in my name, but now I say you're going to ask the Father in my name. Over and over again he said this. And so we continue to submit ourselves to the training and the instruction of being sons of our Father. And that's a difficult thing for many of us because, first of all, as I said, in the natural, many of you have not known that. Now, and I'm very grateful that so many of the children in this house do know that, and I'm grateful for that. But when it comes to spiritual things... This is really largely off the radar for the church. I mean, when, remember when the district people came here and, and uh, they, they heard that we were prophesying and they heard that we were talking about the Father, their, big, their knee-jerk reaction was, I'd like to hear a little more about Jesus. Even though right up here is his holy and wonderful name, and right below, Jesus Christ is Lord, and everything we do is with him and at the benefit of him, But when we talk about the Father, it's like speaking Pig Latin backwards to a lot in the church, and they don't understand it. They think we're being discrediting of Jesus when they think that we're we're saying things that are uh, blasphemous. We're not giving enough praise to Jesus when the reason he came was to do the will of the Father and to lead us to the Father, to restore that thing that the enemy hated and still does. And so, going before the father is something that is an a, a continual delight and i remember those first times when we were praying here after 96 and i remember times when the father spoke to me and i heard him and knew that it was the father it shook me it was almost like my first my first reaction was to Of course, we should be in awe of him, but my first reaction was as that little boy, oh, oh, dad's mad, he's yelling, I better run, I better go hide somewhere until he calms down. I remember one time being in the balcony and the father drew me close to his throne and I felt like I couldn't breathe and I I was almost panicked because of his presence. And I've told this before. I wanted my my mind somewhere in the corner of my mind said, "Run out into the parking lot and get away from this." I remember one time, I the youth group was doing something. Dan and Rachel had the kids uh, somewhere, and it was a Friday night. And I knew that I had to pick up Kelly, and so I came up here and I was in my office, and I thought, "Well, I'll just go in the sanctuary for a little while. I love it in the dark here." I know this place better in the dark than I do in the light. I'll just go in there. And I got to that door right there, and I opened the door, and the presence of the Lord was so strong in this place that I was afraid to come in. And I firmly admit that I didn't come in. I wheeled back around, sang a couple of songs of praise, so I knew the Father wasn't mad at me. And I went back to my office and I proscuneoed in there. I'm just telling you the way it is. To, to know the Father was, uh, was, in so many ways for us, was an apostolic venture. It was an invitation, but we come with fear and trembling. And the reason for that is, is because of his the immensity of who he is. And also because we've not walked that path before. And you, you want to make sure that you are not doing anything that would be presumptuous. you want to, be, you want to respond, but you want to respond in, in submission and humility. I'm just admitting my heart. I'm not preaching a ma- I'm not giving you a three-point sermon as to how to approach the Father. I'm just opening up. Most, many pastors are afraid to do that because it exposes their vulnerabilities and then the people think, "Uh, why am I here? But these are things we all face. So here in this passage, you know, we've talked over the past few weeks and the Brazilian people are teaching during this, this month of June about what it means to become sons and to become heirs and joint heirs. We've talked about that. But here in this passage, you have chasten, chastise, chastening, over and over again, and it's always paideia, or paideia, or peduo, And that was a word that was so well known in the Greek society. The sophists, those who sought wisdom, used this word to describe all measures of training. It wasn't just for children. It was for adults to seek to be expanded in their knowing of things, and and to to be trained and to be to to welcome the discipline of that training to become. This word was used all through. They even their teachers, which were often uh, people of conquered lands who were intelligent. They would cause them to serve as. Teachers in specific areas of their of their expertise, and they would call them after this name. So it it really was a discipline. Now, again, there is, if you look in your lexicons and you even see it, you know, scourging is described as this. Why is that? Because of two things. First of all, this, what I just said, was understood, but if there were those that were abusive or those that found someone that was resistant, um, they, would, they would teach them a lesson. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Now, I won't ask if any of your parents, if you were getting a switching, um, they said, okay, we're going to teach you a lesson. You're going you're to learn. I heard in Ukraine, not to bring up a bad topic, but the Russians were being abusive of those in the Donbass region. And they when they were beating up the people, they would say, well, You're going to get a Russian education. And so, but but the essence of it was that we were, you know, when you're going to learn something, it's going to cost you something. And sometimes God uses challenges or um, scenarios that are not what you would have preferred to cause you to overcome and to learn, experience as a great teacher. There were some things that happened here over the years, things that happened in a lot of ways that were, at the time, I didn't like them. They were painful for me. And they, you know, in some ways I recognized that as much as I didn't like what I was going through, I was going to endure And I was going to overcome on behalf of the Father. And it taught me things. You know, the Bible speaks in this wonderful book of Hebrews about Jesus becoming a son through the things that he suffered. And I'm not preaching a gospel of suffering, but you know as well as I do that in some of the things that you have set your heart to learn, my goodness, you'd think, dear God, this is too much. How am I ever going to make it through this? I remember after I was married, I was in seminary, and I was working as well. To play, somebody play the violin. But there were a couple of classes where I just couldn't extemporize and breeze through. I had to really study this stuff because I'd never heard it before, and so that I could succeed. And I, I remember some nights, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, I'd think, I don't know that I can do this, but yet I endured it so that I could learn something. And so here is this expression in Hebrews 12 where the Father is always in the process of teaching us for the purpose of training us. And at every at every juncture, the Father is always wanting us to learn. It's that El Shaddai capacity that he has. Not his capacity, his identity. And, um, you know, God is always teaching us. He's more about the journey than he is the destination because the destination is already settled. What's not settled is whether you're going to walk with him and learn. And that's what he's focused on. So I said a long time ago, and I remember telling our our brother from Springfield who was here, you know, God put it in our hearts that every time we come into this house, we want to learn something in the word that we've never learned before. And he said, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not trying to sound pretentious, but the Spirit, the Spirit of truth is going to teach us. And that's an investment too. There, there's another passage that I was reading here in Hebrews that said, you know, this, you know, this whole book of Hebrews is about what I'm talking about today. If you just read through it, he's always saying, you know, God has you here, but you've got to grow. You know, God has you here, but you've got to overcome and you've got to grow. And if you commit yourself to something, don't turn back. If, if you're moving and, and you're, you're leaving these principles, these elemental things, no matter how powerful they are, and you move forward, don't turn from it. Because if you do, you'll never regain that, that, that uh, momentum. It's very interesting, but this whole book is about this. And, and he, it's like an exhortation to grow. And and then it comes to um, this this wonderful the r- the remainder of this chapter where we we recognize why are we doing this because we're we're moving in the heavens right now and we've got to continue to submit ourselves to the Father to serve Him and to grow and on this Father's Day I, I would, never try to keep you late because I know lots of people have plans some have already gone to fulfill them but. Uh, there are a couple of things that I felt really stood out here that we needed to, to, to look at. Um, and I think, um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll look at verses 12 and thir- 13 particularly. It says, Wherefore lift up the hands. Now, lift up is a really unique term. The writer of the Hebrews was brilliant use terminologies and terms that are really unique. People question whether it was Paul or Apollos that wrote it, but it is the anointed word of God, no doubt. So lift up here is a term that means to put things in order. It means to straighten a thing. This term was even used when uh, the historians would get together and they would say, you know, this in our record says this, but we need to add to it or we need to correct it. We need to revise it so that it's more correct. We say that in our, in, our word, in our world today. Let me set the record straight. What are we saying? We're going to make sure that an understanding of what we're really doing is correct. So lift up, it means that. It doesn't, it's not a, a Hebrew NASA. It's not an elevation of, uh, it's not from an elevation point. It's from a point of aligning and correction. And, um, you know, sometimes they would have people who, whose posture through an illness or whatever was not right, and they would use this term to straighten them. They would, they would use this to express the need to straighten them. So next, I want you to notice something that we've talked about recently regarding Ezra. And regarding Solomon. Both those times in the Old Testament, in fact, solely those two times where those two were together, you have hands and knees spoken of. And here, after you're setting things straight, the first thing you set straight is your hands. That point of partnership with God, that point of saying, I yield myself as an open vessel to you to partner with you in your ways, we have to remind ourselves that that's what we are. And if anything is getting us out of alignment, we need to do this. It says that they hang down. And that's the term that is a legal term that means to resign. It it means to um, to... Offer your resignation if you're responsible in a particular job and you say, I'm not doing this anymore, I officially resign. They would say you're letting something go, but it's from a usually from a work standpoint. And and you you officially make it known. And they they went through certain ways, you know, like sometimes I still don't know how this is, but it used to be that if you put an ad in the paper, no matter how small it was, that somehow that could be a legal document that says, okay, here it is. Even if it was in the back, page 59 of the paper in small eight-point font. But they had to go through this process that says, I'm not doing this anymore. So those three things begin by saying, lift up. You better straighten yourself in partnership with the Father If you have resigned in any way, or if you're in the process of resigning, or if you're in the process of abandoning what God has given you, you better straighten up. You better do what you're supposed to do. And that measure of the hands that Ezra, as he knelt on his knees, and Solomon, as he knelt on his knees, as they lifted their palms before the Lord is indicated. Because the next thing is that the feeble knees feeble knees you might be surprised to recognize that feeble there is a term in the it was really famous in um, in evangelistic circles because it's the term luo which expresses to be loosed binding and loose loose luo or leo and so, if you have knees that should be kneeling before God to receive the commissioning for what is coming, and you loose them, you say, I'm not doing this anymore. My knees are going to be fancy free. <clears throat> Grace is going to move forward in whatever way I want to go. So, I have surrendered the task of the hand and this business of kneeling for the purpose of being commissioned to go forward is really not necessary. I'm I'm like a I'm like a horse free from the corral, and I'm just going to run and be happy with the wind blowing in my mane. Loose, feeble knees. I think that's very. It's a very interesting word. And then in verse twelve, th- verse thirteen, to make straight paths for your feet, where you're going. And this, this word, for to make straight paths, has the word ortho in it. Some of you have orthotics. Some of you have things that you recognize. You know, I don't really trust that my body is going to do what I need it to do. So I'm going to put this here to keep me in check so I don't go after the way the flesh wants me to go. Now, you could say, well, let's just be healed. But, yeah, you can be healed. It's like, you know, a pig jumping back into the mud after you wash them off. A lot of people, uh, Kenneth Hagin used to say, if you think God's going to heal you just so you don't have to get up and uh, so so you, you don't need help changing the TV channel, you know, why is God wanting to heal you? And, you know, if God frees you, then make sure that you put around you the safeguards so that you don't go off path. So that your feet are walking in the way that God is wanting you to walk because you're walking with the Father. Because if you don't do that, you know, it's this kind of like people when they come and get born again and they get free. Like Jesus said, go and sin no more, stop missing the mark. Stay out of those places that you know are a temptation to you. Stay out of those points that, that you know good and well. If you hang around them, you're going to give in. And some of you, all of us, have had things in our lives where we say, thank God you freed me from that. I'm not going to tempt things. I'm going to put it far from me. I'm not going to have it around me. That's the term to make straight paths. And and so here is this wonderful exhortation. You can look. I mean, Padea is everywhere. It's, it's, I almost thought we'd call this Padea, 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 Padea. That's all, folks. Because it's just everywhere. And it's about the Father wanting to train you. No matter where you've gone, how far you've gone in Him, there's always some more place, uh, some, some next phase that He's wanting to develop you in. That's what pedia means. And, and that's what the Father's all about. Through eternity, we'll still be growing in this, because God is that way. And, and so he says, you need to get with it. You, you need to do these things that I just said. And then he warns, you know, make sure where you go, whoever you're around, that you are embracing the mission of peace that God has given you. God has spoken something to you, you're going to carry it through and you're going to to stand with him until that victory comes, no matter how long it takes. Blessed are those peacemakers. And holiness. You're a saint. Of all people that should walk in holiness, the saints who are called by that name should be doing that. That essence of what the Father has wanted from the foundation of the world. And without that, you're not going to be really. Uh, now, this is what the scripture said. Let's read it. Without which, no man shall see the Lord. You see that? <laughs> I could go off on that, but I'm looking at the clock. And then this warning: looking diligently, lest any man fall, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. That's a verse that we have taught on and warned about over and over again. But the essence of it is, you know, bitterness and wounding and taking your mind off of what we just talked about will take you out. I would dare say that everybody in this place, if you put a little water on it, could grow a really good crop of bitter roots. I dare say we could. If you, even without trying. Some of you need to snip them, as Barney Fife would say, Prophet Barney Fife, you got to nip it in the bud. you got to stay after it. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how many of those types of things over these past several months the Father has been trying to prune out of me that I didn't even know I had. And I dare say that there's a reason that this is a... Uh, added to this discussion of the Father's desire to keep training and developing us. And then, of course, it rolls into, and I'm not going to go there, it's for you, the whole issue of going into the heavens. That's where our life is. Our conversation is there. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And um, But we have a Father. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for us, That we will fulfill the will of the father and you know one of the major points of the will of the father is to develop that spirit that's within you and to develop you into what he has ordained you to be you want to talk about the will of the father you know like people lots of ministries will all trumpet you know what is the will of the father and here's the will of the father and they'll say this thing they'll go down some a faith road that's the will of the father or they'll be messianic. That's the will of the Father. You know, God's always only looking at Israel. Or they'll every ministry, not everyone, but a lot of them will say, this is the will of the Father. But well, I can tell you from the heart of the Father that the will of the Father is that you become a son and that you serve him in whatever way he has ordained you to be. That's the, it's, because if you don't have that, it's not going to matter what else you do. You you might be given a good show, but inside you've not developed at all. And you can tell, you can tell when the first challenge hits what what how the father's been able to train and develop the person. You can tell. Now I'm not trying to be judgmental. And I'm not looking for anybody who says, oh, it's me, Pastor. Save that. Go before the Father. He loves you. He loves you. And lift up the hands which hang down, the feeble knees, the hands and the knees, the palms and that kneeling for the next measure of impartation and, um, and, uh, and his anointing. Uh, and uh, make sure that you guard over that. If there are areas that almost took you out of it, stay away from them or rebuke them, mark them. Don't go there. Don't stroke it don't let it in you know that that's only you can do that and and this is what is said here because if you don't rest assured you're going to lame up and you're going to fall out of the way and god doesn't want that for any of us we're bigger kids than that and let it be let it be healed but be be watchful don't do that anymore I mean, I don't know that there's a parent who, who hasn't seen their kid do something. Uh, I almost said the S word. I know some of you don't like it. But something that is not wise. And you, the first thought is, whatever possessed you to think you should do that? You either weren't paying attention or you were just idiotous. And you say, okay, come on, let me get you cleaned up. And then what's the next thing you say? Don't do that again, right? Let me show you what you do with this. Don't do this again. If you do it again, I'm going to take it away from you. Have you ever said anything like that? Well, that's really what it's saying here. And sometimes God lets us fall so we learn, but sometimes after we've fallen 15 times in the same place, he says, okay, you know what, maybe we need to rethink this a little bit. Why are you doing this? So that's fatherhood talk for the day. And I I speak a blessing over all of us that we we would walk with our heavenly father alongside our precious elder brother Jesus through the power of the spirit and that we would submit ourselves to fulfill why he created us and what he wants of us as his sons. And this is the Father's church. And this you are sons of the Most High. I speak that blessing over you today. And as we go into these new measures of terrain, may the Father guide all of us, and may he watch over us, and may he cause us to learn quickly and to learn efficiently, and that we would grow in him. And that's really, you know what, I think about it and I end with this. You know, we're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, preach this gospel of the kingdom. This is the message we're teaching. You know, when we chose to, to, to provide curriculum for the Brazilian folks, this is the first thing right out of the gate. God wants you to be sons. Next month, Mark and Trish Burke are presenting Knowing the Father, and, and I'm grateful for that. Um, But if you don't establish that, what else are you doing? You know? Amen? So happy Father's Day to you, and happy Father's Day to you, our Heavenly Father. We love you. We thank you for allowing us, of all people, to be able to walk with you in this way. Help us to continue to learn, we pray. Thank you for all the wonderful things you've done this week, this past week. And thank you for the willingness of this people to participate in that willingly and openly. Thank you for the ways that you've imparted to your people today. And as we go from this place, let us walk increasingly in health and in life. But let us know you. And we thank you for it, Father